So, may we praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. And uh, with that, I'd like to pray. Father, we are thankful for this passage of your word and for the great salvation that you have wrought in Christ. And we, Lord, pray for one other item that I was remiss with, and that is, Lord, uh, Brandon and, and uh, Angie, uh, to be blessed, Lord, in their new married life. And, Lord, to find the things of your word indeed uh, glorious and profitable in their marriage, their family to come, and in their future service to you in your church. Thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. We're looking at Ephesians 1, 7 through 12. As I mentioned last time, the purpose of Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, God saves his people to put them in his church. God saves his people to put them in his church, meaning here, meaning in the church of the living God. As we learned last Sunday, it started by God the Father choosing us from the foundation of the world. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings and heavenly places in Christ, according as he had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. And why? As it goes on to say in verses 1 through 6 of Ephesians 1, that his elect may be his holy and loving adopted children. Holy children, it says in verse 4, that we should be holy and without blame before him. I'm glad we are sinners. But this is speaking about God's will for our lives, and that is that we would be set apart for him more and more to that perfect day when we will be all together set apart from sin in heaven. As obedient children, said the Apostle Peter, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts, he calls the lust that we have within us, the passions that are sinful passions, not, not the good passions, of course, but the sinful ones. Um, he calls them former. Former in the sense that they have been crucified on the cross and are being put to death daily, as we die daily in Christ. And I'm referring to other places in the Bible when I say that, uh, that, that we are not to fashion ourselves according to our former lust in our ignorance. That's why it's important to learn the Word of God and to see what, what God wants from us, what God's will is for us. But as he which hath called you is holy, so will be holy in all manner of conversation, meaning in all aspects of your living, we're to be the set-apart people. We're to lead a separate life from that of the world around us. That's not easy. That's a tall order. But God will give us the grace if we look to him. But not only holy, but loving children. 
verse 5 in love. Remember, I brought that in love from verse, the end of verse 4 to verse 5 because it really makes more sense to have that in verse 5. And so let me read it again. And love having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Meaning that the Father out of love adopts or adopted us to our days. The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, said Jeremiah. Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore with loving kindness have I drawn thee. And we love him too. We love him back. Because he, we love him because what? He first loved us. And all this to the praise of his glorious grace. As he says at the end of that passage that we considered last time. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Therefore, it is not of ourselves, nor is it of our works, our efforts to try to gain merit with God. We have no merit. We have none. We are as accused and tried and sentenced criminals to God's law that deserve nothing and that are thrown upon the clemency of the court. Thank God for the advocate Christ Jesus who pleads our case and wins it. And he's the only one. Satan will never be an advocate for you to, to be in heaven. To Christ will. I contend that the spiritual blessings, though, that he spoke about earlier, that the Apostle Paul talks about, that are in heavenly places in Christ, even as he, our flesh, is in heaven, starts here on earth with the work of his son, God's son here on earth. Through God the Father, we are blessed in Christ. Through God the Father, we are chosen in Him, and that is Christ. Through God the Father, we are predestinated in Christ. Through God the Father, we are adopted by Jesus Christ Himself. Through God the Father, we are accepted in the Beloved, His Beloved, and now our Beloved as well. And I believe I shared this with you last time from uh, the Song of Solomon. I am my beloved, and my desire is toward him, toward Jesus. And there's that song, I am my beloved, and he is mine, and his banner over me is love. Not wrath, not anger, not displeasure, but the very, very opposite. Imagine that. He loves us. He loves us so much that he gave his only begotten son for us, that whosoever believes on him, that is, he who will come to faith in him and others who have yet to come to Christ uh, will not perish. Eternal hell and have a lasting life. So that's where we left off. That leads us now to the next point. That is how we are redeemed by Christ. Verse 7. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. That's how we are redeemed. Redemption is slavery language. Did you know that? Jesus bought us out of the slavery of sin and Satan and death with the ransom price of his own blood. The ransom price is the payment that is necessary to be set free from captivity or from the punishment of sin. According to Romans 3, 23 and 24. Romans 3. 23 and 24. 
have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. There it is. That's the only place you will find it. Redemption. In Christ Jesus. You will not find it anywhere else. And Jesus is up to the task of redeeming us. Uh, in uh, Luke 11, 21-22, it speaks there about Jesus and Satan. Luke 11. When a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he shall come upon him and overcome him, he taketh from him all his armor wherein he trusted, and divideth his spoils. At one time, you and I lived in the palace of Satan as his children. There's no way in a million years that we could ever escape. And may I say, as his children, neither do we have that desire, especially to come to Christ. So the Lord changes, changes one's heart. That's how it will always be. It takes a stronger than he, meaning a stronger master than the master of your house and mine originally, that says for that is the Son of God. There are those who deny this. There are those even in professing Christian churches that don't understand this. Like the Jews in Jesus' day were in the church. They answered him once, we be Abraham's seed, and we're never in bondage any man. Why do you say you must be made free? We were never in bondage. Really? Really? That's what Christ is implying. Maybe not to any man, but how about to the devil? How about to your own deceitful and desperately wicked hearts? No man can know but God. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, and who can know it? We are so blinded by sin and our fallen condition that there's never going to be a time that we will on our own come to Christ. See the merit and the beauty and the necessity of salvation by faith in Jesus Christ. Whoever committed sin, Christ concluded, is the servant of sin. And the word servant is not like a paid indentured slave like Luke was as a doctor or some well-to-do Greek family. It's like the slavery of having no rights, no freedom, nothing. You are just there for someone else. And that's that. We think slavery has gone away since the Emancipation Proclamation. Remember the Emancipation Proclamation that ended the Civil War? It didn't really end it. It was really a statement that was clarifying that, that the war has now come to an end and that we're going to start in the next year, 1863. The new slate. I'll read you something from uh, Wikipedia. President Abraham Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation, Executive Order of Proclamation 95, 
We had them back then too, by the way, executive orders. On January 1, 1863, as the nation approached its third year of bloody civil war, and this was the bloodiest war, that exceeded, as far as our casualties are concerned, American casualties and lives, World War I and World War II, or one or the other. The proclamation declared that all persons held as slaves within the rebellious states are and henceforth shall be Spiritually speaking, you and I, and the whole of sinners on the face of this earth, cannot escape the master of our house. Sin from within and Satan from without. We have two. And I don't know which one's worse, but actually we know. Yes. And only a stronger master than Satan, and especially a stronger master than me will do the job. Will be like the Abraham Lincoln. That our country had to lead us to the emancipation of this, of this country. If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. The word indeed means sincerely, genuinely. There's no other way to understand except in its true essence. If you've been made free, then what do you do by the one who set you free? Just like people who, who have had uh, deliverers and uh, saviors, uh, like uh, people who have been rescued. Some, some of them get together every year at the time of their rescue, and, and that person, whoever it was that saved them, uh, saved them. And, and celebrate, celebrate that event in their lives. There's one in the Bible uh, who celebrated such deliverance in Mark 5, 15. After Mark, take John, Mark 5, 15. Who's that? Not reading a passage, but just alluding to the verse. Seeing that you're probably familiar with this story, and that is the emancipation of Legion and the Legion. Why did they call him Legion? Because he had as many devils in him as a legion of Roman soldiers. I mean, there's so many. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting, sitting and clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. I wonder who they really were afraid of. Was it legion or was it now Jesus? <laughs> Where do you think Legion was sitting? It says he was sitting, clothed in his right mind, as if he was, as if, well, he was out of his mind, that was for sure. And he was naked, because he was trying to kill himself, cutting himself up with, with sto sharp stones and uh, 
what do you do if you're possessed by the devil? I've never met one who was, but I suppose that what we see here is an example of that. So where was he sitting? But at Jesus' feet. You've been set free. I think you would be too. Like region and wanting to learn more about your Lord. And wanting to decide his purpose for your life. And in Legion's case, uh, it was that it would be a testimony to his family. He had been without for so long. And then later, if I remember correctly, he would be a, a witness to other people in other cities as he would tell his story of his great salvation. According to verse 8, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. That, that's like saying uh, that, uh, that God wants us to abound in wisdom and abound in, and, and in prudence and abound in, in knowing his will and how to live according to his will. In James, it speaks about uh, the wisdom of heaven versus the uh, earthly wisdom. Starts off with where envy and strife is, there is confusion in every evil world. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Think about Legion and his converted state and how his life must have been just radically altered. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. James 3. And learn what this church is all about, that you're now part of, where God has placed you in. Verse 9 of our passage. Having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. Verse 10. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are in earth, even in him. And that's speaking about those that are, as some would term, the church triumphant in heaven and the church militant here on earth. All one, gathered together in one, because we are in Christ. And there's more to come in the book of Ephesians. And that Imagine you and I have a heavenly inheritance, according to verse 11 of our passage, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him, who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Can I just note how everything is according to the purpose of God or according to the will of God? It doesn't really speak there about my will, your will, or our will, does it? And thank God for that, because if it was left up to my free will, I would never come to Christ. And that's why I give all the praise, honor, and glory to him who willed my eternal salvation. Maybe you have not or ever got an inheritance from your parents uh, in the past. Or maybe you have, and praise God if you have benefited 
in that way in this life. And, 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 and parents are the way of an inheritance for their children, by the way. That's what the Bible says. But nonetheless, the inheritance that we have in Christ is far better. It's an inheritance that silver, like silver and gold, uh, unlike silver and gold, will not rust nor corrupt. And which thieves will not break through nor steal. And it's a treasure that is laid up in heaven. And those who are in Christ, that's where their heart is. That's where the treasure is. And that is in the Savior. The spiritual blessings in heavenly places actually start here on earth, as I said. And so if you're a child of God now, guess what? The down payment of that inheritance, the down payment called in our passage in earnest back in Verse 14, 13 and 14 actually, is already been put down by Christ, in whom you also trusted. After that, you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest, that is the down payment of until the redemption of the purchased possession that's us until the final complete completion of that transaction of the transfer of the inheritance to us that's in heaven to the praise of glory isn't that amazing to think that we have an inheritance inheritance is ours already. We have a, a, a small foretaste of heaven and there's more to come. Have you trusted in Christ? Is the last verse. That we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. That's the key. That, it's as simple as that. I tell people that now. In fact, I'm amazed how simple the gospel truly is. I don't really need to elaborate on all the aspects of the history of redemption and, and every nook and cranny of, of the work of Christ to get the gospel across. Simply to point sinners to someone who alone satisfies all of what I need. That is acceptance of God, forgiveness of sin, and eternal life. And that is none other than one, and I hope we realize more so now, having heard the word of God. And so the purpose of Christ's redemption, why are you and I redeemed? Why are you and I purchased from captivity and from bondage, even from Satan, who is as a roaring lion seeking to recover what he's lost by devouring God's elect, but we know that that's not going to be. What is our purpose? And that is to bear fruit for Him. And I'll, I'll leave you with Romans 6 21 through 23. Romans chapter 6, 21 through 23. 
What fruit had ye then in those things whereof you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, being made free from sin and become servants, made slaves to God, give your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for the simple gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, the good news of salvation through faith in him. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us the faith of a child and the humility of a child with regard to the things of God, with regard to Jesus Christ. And though, Lord, it may seem foolishness, to our sinful hearts, that by your spirit you have made it to be the very wisdom and prudence and, and knowledge of God, par excellence, that exceeds anything that the world has ever learned and will ever learn apart from Christ. Well, Lord, thank you for your great salvation. Thank you for Jesus Christ, our Lord, who is our great Savior. In his name we pray, but thank